pain. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Does it serve as a distractor? Or could it serve as a motivator? We are unpacking this hot topic today on Healthy Harmony. Welcome to Healthy Harmony, where we help you clarify and discuss health tactics to harmonize your life. I am your host and health coach, Jennifer Pickett, and today my guest is John Reinhardt. John is a business owner and a filmmaker. You may recognize his voice. He is the host of the very popular Hero Nation show. He is also a business coach. Now, behind his back, I call him a creative genius, but do not say this to his face because he might get the big head. John, thank you so much for joining me today on the Healthy Harmony Show. Well, it's too late on the big hen. It's, you know, it's too late, but I I appreciate you having me on. (laughs) Yes, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. So we're going to get right into this really tough topic. You have recently embarked on a health journey, and it's never easy uh, to start. So let me ask you, what do you think makes it so um, difficult to get started on a health journey, to, to take to make those necessary changes? What makes it so challenging? You know, I, I think I've, I have struggled um, throughout my life with, um, you know, uh, being heavy, being super fit, um, always to an extreme, right? It was always one extreme or the other, never finding a, a fantastic balance in between stuff. And, you know, then later on when, when you were, you know, when I got, would get sick or I, I mean, like, you know, I really need to kind of work on my health journey as it were. Like I would just, I would end up like scrolling on Google through this like endless sea of dogmatic um, epitaphs on, you know, mm. subjects on, of weight loss and waiting through like the, the, the mucks of like uh, opinions and, and, and changing fads. And I'd be trying to do this through like the haze of my embarrassment and and pain, um, which just honestly never was a fantastic combination. Um, and honestly, so it's, at some point, I finally stopped, if you, if you will, I, I almost stopped trying. Um, and I started almost accepting um, the fact that I was embarrassed, that I that you almost like you turn it almost a dead ear to that to that fact, right? Um, mm-hmm. You you almost turn a dead ear to your, to the pain that you're causing yourself, that you're causing others, because you can't constantly live in 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 shame and embarrassment. So you end up just literally almost like just turning down the knob um, on it, just so that you can make it throughout your day, and and that just allows the problem to grow. It's just it's not actually dealing with the problem. So. Um, I don't know if that answered your question or not, but that was that was kind of my my deal. No, that I think that certainly answered my question, and I, I love the way you you really summed that up. I think you described that so well. Um, that there are so many extremes out there, and there's so many conflicting opinions, and it's very overwhelming when you try to start a health journey and you go out there and try to look for good solid information and 
it's very difficult to find, um, especially when you're struggling uh, with, as you said, just that haze of embarrassment and and, and pain. So um, tell me this: what have uh, what have you learned about yourself uh, as you have embarked on this health journey and you've really taken control and you've made some of those changes, some of those small changes that can lead up to big results? What have you learned? about yourself? So that's a great question. Um, I have learned a lot about, I, you know, and I think I just touched on earlier, my tendency to do extremes. And I would either be all in one way or all in the other, but there, I never, I never understood health as a way of being. It was always an extreme, right? Um, but that's the way I almost almost like so I saw eating, right? It was either like you never ate and you were famished or you feasted, right? So you had that feast and famine kind of mentality and kind of backing off from that. And finding the, the small changes the small things i think that's one of one of the biggest things right um you know you and i started making the uh the uh, the food show right and one of the biggest yes. things that i that i learned right from looking at that entire show and that series as we were building it and we were making it um is how many things were exactly the same as i would normally do them and how oftentimes the health change was often something super small, right? It might be the yeah. difference in like making a zucchini um, uh, lasagna, right? And just maybe not using quite as much cheese or maybe, you know, uh, uh, substituting the carb heavy pasta with zucchini instead of, instead of that pasta, which still tasted just as good and it was still a fantastic lasagna. Um, and it was just this one, I mean, it was just one little, little thing. And that one little thing done daily was the thing that like led more and more to success and, and feeling better and everything else. So I think that, um, that was the thing that I, I think I've learned the most about myself is like keeping that pendulum in check. Um, and oftentimes I think we do things out of reaction, right? And yes. when we do stuff out of reaction, um, even like like health choices, right? Um, when we do it out of reaction, like uh, normally it's from a, when we react to something, it's normally negative, right? It's, it's very, <laughs> it's not it's not often that we react, um, you know, great to something because we're like, oh, they told me I was amazing. I'm going to react to that in a positive light. Mm -hmm. That's not the way that normally works. So you know, uh, for me was learning how to get out of the fear-based mode, get out of the stress decision modes, um, and be able to make, um, those decisions in a more logical, systematized, structured way in order that I could start seeing success. 
I love that. I love that. And I, I like how you put uh, keeping that pendulum in in check. I've certainly seen this uh, over my coaching journey with my clients. Um, I, I've seen this over the course of the 22 years, 23 years I've, I've been in this this arena now is this, uh, this all or nothing approach, like what you call that extreme approach. Well, if I can't go all in, if I can't go fully to the extreme, well, I just don't know that I can do this. I'm not gonna do anything. So I hear that just a lot from people. And um, even if they do go all in with a very extreme approach, that is uh, most often that is temporary right? And so uh, you and I have discussed a great deal about the impact of some of these very small and simple changes. I like to call those those things small and sticky, meaning they're so small, they're so little, they almost seem insignificant, but sticky really implicating that they're so simple that they're easy to stick with. And those small and sticky changes can lead up to such big results. Um, So I just love how you put that and how you came at this from a, a source of being extreme and how you've learned that it's not the extreme, but it is more kind of keeping that pendulum in check. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, John, I love your experience and what you've realized about yourself um, and not taking that extreme approach, but more of that kind of moderate approach um, and keeping everything in check and seeing how those very small and simple changes can lead up to big results. So um, why do you think it is so difficult? We talk about Uh, the information aspect and how overwhelming that is. Outside of that, why do you think it is so difficult to get healthy? What are the obstacles that are standing in our way to get healthy? So I I, I don't know that I can can speak to everyone's, um, you know, uh, reasons why or for why. I'm I'm sure they they vary, you know, person to person a little bit. Um, You know, for my own... I, I, there is, there is an overwhelm piece there, right? Like we live in, like we live in a in, insanely stressful world and I, and you've, you've kind of had a gaze in, into kind of the film world with me a little bit. Um, and, uh, I'm sure you can tell everyone it is, it is, a uh, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's nuts. I, I had no idea until I started working with you, um, uh, that this insight that you've given me into filming and what all goes into that and the stress that is related to that. So, um, yes, I have certainly gotten a glimpse into your world and the stress that goes with that. So for me, there was, there was so much of that stress, um, right, that, that food to, for me was, um, and still is it sometimes, if we're, if we're being super honest, right, it can be the one thing, right, where I'm like, oh, thank God I get to look forward to a triple cheeseburger with cheese and mayo at the end of today. Thank you, God. I need that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Right. So, you know, uh, there was this level of like food was, was a, um, a comfort to me, right? There's a reason why we call comfort food, comfort food. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And it was a way of, in some ways, decreasing my stress level. Um, what I didn't realize um, was that I was hurting my body in, in, in such a way that it was actually increasing my stress level. It was increasing, um, you know, my cortisol count. Like, you know, so like one of the ways that I'd been, I'd been coping for so long with like, you know, just, you know, crazy days, you know, there might be like, there are sometimes, you know, we were, we'd be filming for 18, sometimes 20 hours. And, um, and then you'd have to like come back and you'd work and, um, you know, for another like two hours and you might have like two hours of sleep and then you had to go again and you might do this for, unfortunately, you know, um, you know, you might do this for sometimes like maybe like a week, maybe two months at a time. And then you go into like editing and, um, and, uh, the post-production side and you're trying to get stuff out to clients and you're trying to manage multiple things at a time. And so like, you know, my best friend, um, it, during these times was a Red Bull, right? Um, oh, coffee, geez. coffee was not my, my friend. Um, I didn't like coffee. Um, I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, but coffee was not my friend. Um, I was like, give me a Red Bull. And, and so I would go on these stints, right? Where I'd make maybe drink, you know, two 20 ounce Red Bulls, um, a day, sometimes maybe three, um, you know, on a really, really bad day, it was, it was three and, you know, you drink them, uh, in like a 24 hour period and, and you, and, you know, just, just to keep yourself going, because it's one thing to do one day, it's another to do seven days, 10 days, 20 days of, of that kind of stuff. And then if you add years to that, it makes it even harder. So mm -hmm. what I didn't realize, right, was that I was inhaling so much caffeine um, <laughs> that I was basically increasing my cortisol levels and, you know, basically adding you know, increasing basically that stress hormone and adding to this inner tube around my stomach, um, which then made it harder to move. It made me more stressed out because things, you know, it, it, it was harder for me to work. It was harder for me to do all this stuff. But at that, at that time, it was, I'm not going to worry about um, the food I'm going to eat. I'm not going to worry about any of this stuff. I just needed a, I needed something emotional, something internally kind of filled because I wasn't taking care of myself. Food was a substitution um, for an unhealthy lifestyle, right? And it was Do just- Do you feel it was like a, it was a, um, a way to numb the pain? Yes, absolutely. Right? You're, 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 putting, your, you're putting yourself through a, just a, you're putting yourself through hell, um, you know, on a daily basis and you need something to help you. You know, and I didn't have marijuana and I wasn't using cocaine. So it was, it was food. <laughs> well, first of all, John, one of the things that I appreciate about you the most is just your extreme uh, honesty and your vulnerability. Um, and I think this is going to speak to a lot of people because we do have extremely busy, stressful lives. And uh, we often turn to something 
to numb the pain. We turn to something to help us cope with the stress, to make us feel better. And so I think you've summed that up so well, your your struggle with turning to food for that comfort and turning to something like Red Bull for, for energy. And I think this is something that so many of us struggle with. This is uh, something very, very common, unfortunately. And it does, it wrecks havoc on our health. Um, but uh, it also just really uh, opens up that question of what all are we turning to to numb the pain? Um, instead of identifying uh, the source of stress and, and working to manage the stress, we're turning to something else to manage the pain. So what do you think is a good plan of action? How can we manage the stress and not fall into these really bad habits. I think learning how to de-stress is hugely important, right? So taking the time to find something that takes the stress away, that allows you to calm down, slow down and find those moments of tranquility, peace, so that you're not tempted to go running to another addiction, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, I think that, you know, the Bible talked about like, you know, if you cast out one demon and you don't fill it, don't fill up the house with something that he, you know, the demon comes back with five of his friends. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't think God was just talking about demons at the moment. I think he was also talking about like, hey, um, like, what's up? It's also about like, you know, food and it's about like any type of addiction. That's what always happens. Right. You know, we talk about like, you know, people that try to lose weight, they lose weight and then they, you know, um, if they if they using a diet system, they, you know, come back and they gain like 12 pounds back on top of the weight that they already had. Yeah, I think it's very common. Right. I, I think that's I think it's a very I think it's. I think there's something really to that in that I need something to replace the habits that um, that I've developed, right? So like this summer, the big thing for me, uh, trying to learn how to de-stress, um, to find something that would allow me to cope, because um, my, my summer was, uh, as you know, fairly <clears throat> stressful. Very much so. Yes. <laughs> not not so much on a uh, on a professional level, but on a personal level, it was it was not good. Um, and 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 so trying to do that, like my my spot was uh, the place we were staying had a had a beautiful pool, and I would go into that pool every day. <laughs> at about 4.30 and I'd be like, I am not coming out of this pool until probably about eight o'clock at night. That's probably when I'm going to, you know, finally come out. Uh, and I, that's what I would do, right? I, I needed, I needed a spot where I, I wasn't in front of technology, where I wasn't in front of, um, where I wasn't in front of my computer, where people couldn't reach me, where I could just talk to my wife or I could do exercising, um, and you know, pool running and stuff like that. And where it was 
a spot where I could let go. And a lot of time, and that's that's not that's not an easy place to find, right? It's um, really not. It's really not. And that's why I was so proud of you for finding that space where you could let go and you could disconnect from the craziness, the technology, like you said, and truly have that kind of quiet space to allow yourself to relax and unwind. Well, and I, and I think I think a lot of us like had that at some point, right? You know, you have these these things that de-stress your life, right? And then uh, these these maybe it's a hobby, it's something that you enjoyed, something you really really liked, and then later on, right? Things change, right? Um, maybe maybe you got a new job, right? Uh, maybe you started your own business. Uh, maybe you're going through a super stressful time. Maybe you had a kid. <laughs> And you're all of a sudden like, oh, dear God, the baby won't sleep. There's all these things that start kind of piling up a little bit. And the you have to be able to step back and find out like what adds enjoyment, what adds a de-stressing effect on my life. Um, and if you don't know what that is... Um, it can be really, really difficult, right? Because because different levels of stress require different levels of de-stressing, right? I agree. Something. I agree. Yes. Um, when I was first starting off, like in in film, and starting business stuff, and I mean, we were just brand new. Like I could sit down, and my de-stress was like I could play a video game for about thirty minutes, and I'd be like, "Yep, I'm I've cooled down. I'm I feel really good." Um, that doesn't work anymore. Um, I wish it worked. Um, you know, there was a time where it was like, um, there was, there was other, there was like, Hey, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. And that was a good de-stressor. Well, it's, it's not a good de-stressor anymore. Um, you have to modify, right? You, you have There's to modify, something yeah. else that you took up this summer that I thought was very interesting. Uh, it really played into one of your biggest strengths. I did make a joke at the beginning about you being a creative genius, but it's very, very clear that that is clearly one of your God-given gifts, and that's creativity. So I found it interesting this summer that you use that gift as a means of de-stressing. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you did to de- de-stress this summer by using your creativity? Um, so this summer, um, what I was really, I started using was, I, well, the first thing I started doing was I actually started um, painting. Um, now, I I used to draw and paint a little bit when I was in high school. Um, it was a way for me to, you know, just kind of express myself. But as time has gone on, as life has gone on, I, I just really hadn't done anything like that. Um and then the summer, like, yeah, kind of all hell broke loose and with, with my health and, um, and I was just trying to process that and I needed, I needed stuff that was going to de-stress me, but I still had to work. And so when I'd be on like phone calls that were very, very stressful and they really were very hard to deal with, I started painting as a way of... Um, being on these phone calls and getting that stress out to being able to express it, leave it somewhere and walk off. Um, and that was, that was really, really helpful for me. Um, like I said, I, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not an artist by any means, form or fashion. 
Um, but you know, again, it was just being able to put that stress somewhere, express it in some way, and then be able to leave it. Uh, uh, in the, you know, in this case, in a painting. I love that. Now, something else you started doing this summer uh, was writing as well. I know that you have written for some time now, uh, but you started writing as a means of uh, managing some stress. Um, So I want to ask you a tough question because reading uh, some things that you wrote, uh, you really dug deep. And these writings were uh, honestly just left me um, speechless. Um, you you really revealed in there your um, your struggles with your health for um, a, a great deal of time, and you revealed that um, you you really kind of identified with your pain that you had become um, so used to that pain that it had really defined you. So I want you to unpack that for me a little bit. Um, what you meant by that and how you got to that place. Um, so I think the, the, one of the pieces of writing that I, that I shared with you is, um, was called Proud of My Pain. And you can actually, well, we've made a video of it. You can find it on Facebook. Um, just look for, you know, uh, Proud of My Pain and, and you'll see a video of it. Um, really, it was this. So for me, like it really was trying to process the complex emotions um, and as much as sometimes I'm an external processor or, you know, um, or even like an internal processor, um, I found that like, this was just too much, right? This was, this was, I was at a place where I was like, hang on this. I need, I need some time to work this out on, on paper, um, to be able to just adequately express it, um, to my family. Right. Um, what I was going through, right? It's, it's really hard. People, you know, you know, when you go through a really hard time and people are sitting there and they're like, hey, like what's going on in your life? And you're like, I don't even know where to start. It, right? it, it's so difficult. And in essence, this, this was my way of being able to explain to them what was going on inside my head. And I, I needed that extra time and that extra structure to be able to communicate effectively. So the idea that I I started messing with, um, was this idea of, of being proud of pain. And, you know, I've always had a very, I've always been a strong person. I've always been known as a very strong person, both physically, um, mentally uh, strong-willed. Um, <laughs> we won't, we're, we're not going to ir- interview your mother on this first podcast. <laughs> Thank John. you. That, that's Thank for you. another Thank one. You. That's Please for a don't subsequent do that. Yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, there, there was this there was this thing, right, where I was like, this is really difficult. Um, and, you know, I and and you so, you know, people people start saying things like, you know, I just can't believe you're, you're still doing that. I, you know, if there's this kind of disbelief, right. You know, uh, it's, it's kind of like, <laughs> you want to call it like the cowboy mentality, um, of, of sitting there like, you know, yeah, I got, you know, hit with a bull on the side of my head and got trampled three times. and I'm still walking out of the rodeo. Um, 
<laughs> you know, there you have some of those stories. I do have, have some of those some stories. Pretty extreme stories. Yeah. Uh, well, not not with a rodeo, but uh, uh, but yeah, but you know the, the, this idea, and so you start becoming proud of your ability to bear pain, right? Um, and so in this case, when you know I, I started gaining weight, and I and we're not talking like like. You know, we're not talking like a small amount of weight here, um, you know, for your audience. Like, I'm, I'm a big guy. I've always been a, a big guy. I'm like six foot seven. But, you know, when I when I crossed over right into like beyond 300 pounds into 300 and then 400 and people would make remarks that they'd be like, how much do you weigh? And I'm like, I weigh 400 pounds. And they're like, well, dang, you carry that really well. Like, I'd have no idea that you are 400 pounds. I was like, yeah, no big deal. And I can still walk up the side of a mountain. I can still do whatever you do. No problem. Like I can still keep up with you, you know, and that, that would change to 450 and then 500 and then 550 pounds. Um, you know, and then I, and, and I'd still be like, yeah, I'm still on set 18 hours a day. I can still keep up with all of you people, um, without any problem. And so the, so you can hear that kind of that proud that I'm, 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 I was proud that I could still be in pain. I could still be through suffering. I could still, um, be in this mode. I could still get the job done, right? I could still work it all the way out. And, and then coming to this reality of, I was, you know, at some point, you know, it, and it wasn't helped either by kind of like what you kind of like see around you. Right. Because like we, um, <laughs> we talk about, there's a lot of stuff where we talk about pain as if it's a really good thing. Right. I used to love this like quote by Arnold Schwarzenegger, which was like, um, which is like pain makes me grow. Growing is what I want. Therefore pain is my pleasure. Hmm. Interesting. Right. Um, I mean, they're, they're like all these kind of like quotes out there of, of talking about you know, you know, pain is weakness leaving your body and yeah, the no pain, no gain mentality. Yeah. Right? right. I mean, and I mean, and there is, there is, there's something to that, right? Like even, even now, like through this entire process of, of understanding and coming to an understanding, um, of what my pain has cost me. Right. There's that, there's that, I don't remember who said the quote, right. But it's like the pain is the break is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. Oh, wow. Right? So, <laughs> I'll say that again just so you got it, right? Yes, pain, yeah, your, your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. And there is there is a truth to that. There's a real truth to that. Because even with all the pain that I went through, right? When I finally reached a point where my body was like, dude, you've, you've really screwed up. Okay. And to give you everyone kind of an idea what, what, what that, what that final thing was, was, you know, I, I had been through a bunch of stressful stuff. Um, and, uh, I had finally decided, you know, I'm going to make this change. And I had actually contacted you and we, we just started on the health journey. Right. Um, but I was still doing Red Bulls. Um, I was still not getting nearly enough sleep. And so there had been a day, um, when like throughout the week I'd been, you know, sleeping, you know, sometimes 
you know, uh, some days I would sleep like eight hours and other days I wouldn't have slept maybe like two hours. And then there was like a, a basically a day where it'd been almost like 36 hours I'd been up. And in a 24 hour time period, um, I consumed 80 ounces of Red Bull. And then inside that time period as well, and I, and I didn't even think about this right, um, I had like two beers inside that time period. Again, I didn't think about mixing that much caffeine and taurine and yeah. all kind of stuff with. And so what I end up waking up at like four o'clock in the morning and my brain is going crazy. My heart's going crazy. I'm, I can't breathe. I'm panicking. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm in big trouble. Um, I'm getting crazy dizzy and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and I'm like, Oh my God. And I have pain going up and down my left arm. Um, and I'm like, Oh my God, I think I'm having a heart attack. I'm about to die. I'm like, and I, so I wake up my wife and I'm like, get me to the hospital now. Thankfully, we were only like five minutes from the emergency room. Going to the emergency room, they're like, well, they checked out my heart. We start this whole process and like, your heart's fine, but it looks like you're doped up on stuff. And I'm like, I'm not taking any drugs. Well, they're like, well, your Red Bull, we're technically, because you mixed alcohol and Red Bull together, we're calling that a drug. You just drugged yourself. Did you find it interesting that they they told you that that combination is classified as a drug? That combination of the energy drink and the alcohol, they uh, they classified that almost like a drug effect. Yeah, I, I thought that was really it. It, it shocked me, right? Yeah. And I and I knew better, right? I to be to be really honest, like I knew better than to ever mix alcohol and Red Bull together. Right. I remember that there was a scare back in California when I lived there where there was an energy drink and they were like, hey, it's telling your body two different signals. Again, I was in the middle of sleep deprivation. That's <laughs> what that was. So you've got the perfect storm of sleep deprivation, the upper of the energy drink and the downer of the alcohol. And it's a it's a disaster. Right. And that's what you saw. Exactly. And, and it really did. It, 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 it came after me in a, in a really big way. And it was the huge wake up call on my part, um, just on a stress level of like, oh my God, I'm going into a cardiologist and I'm, I'm, you know, 31 years old and I'm about to, you know, we're about to go through a really big and, and trying time. Um, and that was in the and so for for this whole process, I was like, I need to get this crap out. I need to be able to express it. I need a way of processing it. You know, near death experiences aren't just when you actually almost died; they're when you think you almost died. Oh wow! Yeah. All right, or when yes. you think that you yes. could die. Um, there was a. There was a, a time Heidi and I, uh, my wife and I were, we were in, on, in Hawaii. And again, you can probably find this online. Uh, we did a video like right afterwards where we were in Hawaii and there was a, a missile scare. My phone came, went off with the alert and said, hey, there's a ballistic missile going your way. Seek shelter immediately. 
And what I didn't know at the time was that they had been doing alerts and drills on the island to make sure for like a launch from North Korea. So mm-hmm. if North Korea had launched a missile, they, everyone was like, oh yeah, we go to these shelters, we do all this kind of stuff. And so in this moment, I am all of a sudden like, oh my God, um, you know, we're all about to die from a missile attack. And it really shook me up like it should. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, for 45 minutes, we were waiting for a nuclear bomb to go off and either wipe us all off the planet or we were going to have to survive some type of nuclear wasteland while trying to get rescued and hopefully not die from nuclear poisoning. This, and I, you know, I remember calling my, my dad and being like, Hey, just tell everyone I love them. Like, I'm so sorry. I don't get to see you again. Um, that sucked. And even though it turned out to be a fake scare, Everybody on that island had to deal with the physical and mental, emotional repercussions of having to go through a time in a, in a, in a spot where they felt like it was as real to them as anything else that they were all going to die, you know, and so when you look at like something like this and again you might be like it's a false scare right you didn't actually have a heart attack no but i ended up in the er thinking i was yes right and i spent several weeks not knowing if i had right yeah waiting for cardiology and all that kind of stuff yes and trying to investigate um what prompted that and what happened with your body and if there was any uh long-term damage Etc. Very, very scary experience. So, uh, you know, I, again, I needed some place to place that extra stress. And in this case, writing and uh, painting was a way for me to de-stress while I was trying to, um, to learn how to decrease the amount of stress in my life, learning how to make the lifestyle changes that were going to allow me to live longer. Um, so does that, does that help? I don't know yes, if that answers your question. Yes. I felt like I just talked for a while. Most, no, most definitely. And again, uh, it's one of my, uh, one, one of the things that I appreciate the most about you is just your, your vulnerability. And I think you vocalize something that is becoming very apparent to all of us, how we're, we're definitely molded and shaped by um, our experiences and by our pain. And I love how you really wrap that up with, a, with two very large near-death experiences, how that pain really um, defines you and stuck with you. It's not just an experience and then you're over it and you move on. It really kind of molds you and uh, defines you. So, uh, so audience, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, this is something I really want you to read. So, uh, uh, I'm going to have John put that on our discussion group on Facebook. Um, it is fantastic. It will uh, really open up your eyes. I think it is something that you will be able to relate to. Uh, I think certainly we are all uh, moved by pain. But the question that I want to ask you is, are you distracted by pain or are you motivated by pain? 
And uh, I would love for us to discuss that further. John, you have been a remarkable guest. I have loved your um, you so much. authenticity and uh, and you just giving us um, a very a clear view of, of your health struggles. I know it has not been easy. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Where can people find out more about you, John? So if people want to, to hear more of our stuff, I mean, they can always um, they can always f- uh, find me, um, John Franklin Reinhardt on Facebook. Um, they can look up my film company, which is Free Dream Studios. You can actually go to just youtube.com slash Free Dream Studios. Um, if you want to hear us uh, online, um, the podcast that we have is uh, The Hero Nation, and we help business owners and entrepreneurs just like you kind of learn tools and tactics to live more epic lives. And uh, we do that weekly. And there's just a lot of stuff going on. So there's a lot of places to find me. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing you there. I love it. Thank you so much. Also, remember to subscribe to us on your favorite platform of choice, like join us on Facebook, Instagram at Inspire Healthy Harmony. You can also join in on the discussion on our Facebook group and check us out at InspireHealthyHarmony.com. Until next time, bye y'all.